AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Markets were closed today for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and the government officers closed too, but we've got a fresh dose of AgriTalk PM coming your way. We're fresh off reports on Friday, but there's more going on in the markets than USDA reports. We'll explore what might influence the markets in the weeks ahead. From MLK <laughs> Junior Day Afternoon via Farm Journal Broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we're going to run a full flip chory. Chip and I will chat our way through the markets. And later, Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. All right, Davis. Happy MLK Junior Day. Yeah, man. Yeah. That, this, makes, this makes the third out of the last four mm-hmm. Mondays. Mm-hmm. That we that that the markets have been closed, three yeah. out of the last four. I don't mind that. I really don't. You don't? No, not at all. No. You know, last week with a full week, it just seemed like it flew by. Remember? It did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These short weeks. I'm not too sure. Short weeks feel long. Yeah, it's uh, Doctor <laughs> Who fans. You know, it's bigger on the inside, kind of a oh, thing. Like you don't expect it? it coming. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what is it is. That you get it? through the door, gotcha. and oh my gosh, here we are. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Hope that you are taking some time to reflect on the man that mm-hmm. we are celebrating today. Uh, the his his message of nonviolence, his message of shared responsibility for peace in this country. Uh, it 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 rang true in the '60s, and it rings true today, Davis. Here, here. It's it's a message worth listening to again. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, all right. Uh, we, uh, as you said, we're gonna we're gonna take a a little bit of a different path on the show today. We're gonna explore some of the issues outside of the report data that we got on Friday yeah. that might be influencing the markets in the in in the weeks ahead. So I'm uh, that that it's a conversation worth having. Let's put it that way. Sure, okay? absolutely. Yep, yep, I agree. Yep. But nonetheless, we did have reports on Friday. You got any details from that? Um, yes, just a few details here. Okay. Um, let's dive in. Spillover pressure from corn and soybeans uh, weighed on wheat futures last week. Uh, on those USDA reports, Friday, they estimated winter wheat seedings 34.425 million acres. That is down from a year ago, nearly 1.4 million below the average pre-report trade guess. Hard red winter wheat seedings were down 1.7 million from a year ago. Soft red acres down about a half a million. White winter acres also down uh, to the tune of about 100,000 from last year. USDA put December 1 wheat stocks in all positions at 1.41 billion bushels. Chip, that's 23 million more than traders had expected. And finally here, 23-24 wheat carryover estimated at 648 million bushels down from last month and 10 million bushels below trade expectations. As of Friday's close, March HRW wheat futures were three quarters of one cent lower, 615 and a quarter. 
March SRW wheat down seven and three quarters to five ninety six. March spring wheat closed at six ninety nine and one half down a half cent. You know, a lot of moving parts in all of that, Davis. There's no question about it. But when you get right to the bottom line of why this wheat market is is as sluggish as it has been, yes, spillover pressure from corn and spillover pressure from from wheat or from uh, soybeans is is part of the reason. But but wheat could be leading to the downside itself when you look at an export number at 725 million bushels. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't have enough demand in this wheat market right now to turn the, the fund sellers from short to out to long, and I'm not sure what's going to make that happen in the near term. Well, Chip, on Friday, USDA put the 2023 corn crop at a record 15.342 billion yeah. bushels, 108 million bushels above the November crop production report, and 116 million above trade expectations. USDA raised the national average corn yield from November to a record 177.3 bushels per acre. Chip, that was partially offset by a 583,000 acre cut to harvested acre. December 1, stocks of corn in all positions, 12.169 billion bushels. That came in 119 million bushels above trade expectations, and USDA's estimate of 23-24 corn carryover at 2.162 billion bushels is up from last month and was 57 million above the average pre-report trade guess. March corn yeah. futures on Friday were 10 and three quarters lower, 447. May corn down 10 and three quarters, 459. July corn futures closed at 468 and one quarter on Friday. That's down 10 and three quarters cents, Chip. I didn't hear much complaining about the 177.3 national average corn yield estimate from the <laughs> Eastern Corn Belt guys. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hear much complaining there. The Western Corn Belt guys, they were filling my phone up on Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where did that number come from? How could that be? That, that That's not what my yield monitor said. Why is my claims adjuster, my crop insurance claims adjuster, been yeah. so doggone busy this year? Yeah. yeah. There's there's still some uncertainty over that production number. I hate to say it, but there is. Was it Nebraska at a, at a state average yield of uh, 182 on corn? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. All right. Well, on Friday, USDA put the 2023 soybean crop at 4.165 billion bushels. That's up from November, 38 million above trade expectations. USDA raised the national average soybean yield to 50.6 bushels per acre and cut harvested acres by 435,000. December 1, soybean stocks in all positions at 3 billion bushels was above trade expectations. USDA put 23-24 soybean carryover at 280 million bushels up from December 37 million above the average pre-report trade guess. March beans 12 and a quarter lower on Friday, 1224 and a quarter. May beans down 12 and a quarter, 1235 and three quarters. July beans closed at 1244 and one quarter. That's down 11 and three quarter cents, Chip. USDA made no change to the crush, crush estimate for 2324, made no change to the export estimate in Friday's supply and demand report. Uh, th- that makes me think because i think both those numbers have an opportunity to move up move total usage up and bring uh carry over down so those numbers make me think that maybe we've seen the high water mark on the carryover estimate uh and maybe maybe that's going to be the high of the year on the carryover estimate well usda puts 23 24 cotton carryover at 2.9 million bales that's yep. down 200,000 bales from December. 
March cotton on Friday was five points lower, 81.31. Needs to buy some acres for this year, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. On your livestock's double-digit losses in corn helped feeder cattle futures close modestly higher on Friday, while live cattle futures gave back a bit of last week's early gains. February fat cattle were down 42.5 cents to 171.37 and one half. April futures 40 cents lower, 174.17 and a half. The March feeders were up 30 cents to 227.70. And on the snout side, the string of higher closes and lean hog futures ended at 6 on Friday with the market under moderate pressure. Profit taking was noted ahead of the three day weekend. Feb hogs 70 cents lower, 71.90. April hogs down 42 and a half to 78.62 and a half, Chip. Yeah, uh, the big story is going to be the weather in the livestock market here at the start of the week, figure out exactly what that's going to do to the cash market before we can figure out how the lives, uh, how the, the futures market is going to react to it. So uh, th- these cold temperatures, man, oh, man, it's a blast of winter that we haven't had to deal with so far this year, and, and uh, the impact on the cash market is going to be critical. All right. Again, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Glad that you are with us today. Stay tuned. Davis and I are going to go over some of the other factors that might be influencing the markets in the weeks ahead. That's next on AgriTalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here. We're going to uh, we're going to get a little nutty with it here on MLK Day. Uh, Chip, is it MLK Day or MLK Junior? Day? Junior, Junior, Junior. Day, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is like Earnhardt and Earnhardt Jr., you know? <laughs> Pretty decent distinction there. I, I don't know if it's exactly the same. <laughs> no, no. But you, you better remember that Jr., though, you know? That's if you're right. talking to Little Dale. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> um, today, we're going we're gonna to mix it up just a little bit. Um, we're going to do a little something we call 
flip chory. Chip, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna probe your mind, uh, okay. the the database you know that okay. you just walk around with every day. That people like <laughs> us, people like me, I just take it for granted. You know, I just figure there's nothing more to know. But you've got it all. <laughs> up in that noggin of yours, and we're going to see if we can pry some of that loose. What do you think? What do you think? Well, I'll, I'll do my best. I will do my best on that. But it's it's uh, there are so many different factors, so many different issues that are having an impact on the grain yeah. trade right now that keeping it all sorted is not the easiest job in the world. Well, and that's, that's the thing is it's important to know <laughs> – it's important to know what's important – and yeah. what's not, you know, it's right. like, like you got to separate the noise from the chatter. You got to separate the info from the, uh, you know, the, uh, the bovine excrement whenever you can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so nice way of putting it. Thank you. In, uh, given that, I wonder if you and I can just maybe take this opportunity to kind of walk through some of these markets, decide mm-hmm. as we're flipping the calendar, you know, we're mm-hmm. here in 2024 now, baby, there's no turning back. Right. Um, start us maybe with, you know what, let's just go to King Corn first. Okay. Let's start with King Corn. Um, and I'm just going to ask you horribly, generally, what's the story here? What are what are you watching? What's the story on corn, well, baby? Yeah, it, it's like you said, we need to get rid of some of the noise that is yeah. in the market right now and try to focus on what is really important. And, and we... We had a good year for biofuels in 2023. We're going to have a good year for biofuels and corn-related, uh, corn-based biofuels in 2024. But you know what? I don't think that that deserves a whole lot of headline, uh, at least not at this point of the year. So, yes, the efforts to get E15 year-round availability in the eight states and nationwide eventually, it's very important. There's no question uh, which greenhouse gas model is used in evaluating ethanol coming out of the the uh, ethanol plants. That being the GREET model is very important for the development of of ethanol to jet down the road. But as far as it having an impact on day to day, week to week, and even at this point, month to month mm-hmm. trade in the corn market, Davis. I don't think that's where it's at. It might be at the end of the year, but that's not where we're at here at the start of the year. And and it's a weather market. Um, we, we need to figure out what the Brazilian crop is going to be exactly. Uh, is it 117 million metric ton or is it something south of that? I would argue, I would argue that it's somewhere south of that because to this point, all the damage that has been done, all the damage that could be done is to the first crop of corn. Uh, anything that we say is coming off of the Safrina corn crop out of Brazil is all speculation. And I don't think anybody's really diving into that at this point. But if we're at 117 million ton already and you got to take 10% off the Brazilian corn Safrina corn crop, then all of a sudden, it starts to have a big impact. Mm. Uh, mm. Last week, and some of the estimates that we got from USDA, and this is is maybe the most important estimate that I saw, and it didn't. I said from USDA, shouldn't have said that. It came from Conob. 
2023 corn export forecast. They trimmed it another 3 million metric tons to 35 million tons, which would be down 21 million metric tons from last year. You want to talk about an opportunity to get some market share back. There it is. That's what we're going to be watching through the first half of the year. How much damage is done to the Brazilian safrina corn crop and how much of that demand base we can get back on exports. Okay. Uh, listeners, we've got a flip chory conversation going on here. I got Chip in the hot seat here on MLK Junior Day. You mentioned the biofuels at the beginning of your um, talk about corn. Yeah. I am concerned a little bit for the soybeans that as far as domestic demand goes, we're looking at SAF, we're looking at all sorts of biofuels-related stuff when it comes to the beans. There's been talk it could impact acreage, it could impact marketing decisions, all yeah. sorts of stuff, and it just is too doggone soon, isn't it, Chip, on the beans? Um, we're so close, Davis. I'll I'll give you that. We are. We I think it has a big impact on what's – on on how the bean market trades in the first half of 2024. I really do. Um, it, whether, how many bean acres mm-hmm. we plant, that's going to be number one. Right. Number two on that list is just how quickly some of the expansion in the crush industry comes on board. How much of the 2023 crop are we going to use up before we get to the 2024 mm-hmm. new crop supply? So is it a 240, 230 million bushel carry, or is it 210? Is it 200? I I know that's a big drop, but with the demand and the crush capacity that is coming online, this is a huge story. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be the biggest. It, it it may feel like it's been slow to develop. Do you know how long it takes to build one of these plants from finance? <laughs> no, from concept to yeah. financing to breaking ground to mm. actually taking delivery of the first load of beans into one of those facilities. It's darn near two years. Yeah. So all of this talk about oh, all the money being spent on the crush facilities, where is it? Has it turned into more ex- more more crush demand here in the states? The number one answer to that is yes. It has turned into more demand because we're seeing monthly records for crush on on a near monthly basis. And we are so close to setting new all-time crush records on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be happening by the middle of the year. And when that starts to, to, to develop, I think it has an impact on this bean market. You know, you look at the carry that's in the bean market, and this is where I think it's going to have the biggest impact. Look at the carry that's in the bean market. You got the January contract, which is in delivery, I know. Uh, 12.35.5, March contract, 12.40, May contract, 52, July contract, 12.59. So we've got carry in the market. As that crush demand comes into the market, I think that that carry comes out of the market. We see the bull spreads really take over in the bean market. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, well, and when we when we talk about that, do you notice parallels when the ethanol stuff was was taking sure. off several years ago, and now here we are? Are we setting it up right for the beans and the SAF? Yes. Oh. Yeah. 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 And you know, I don't want to play the SAF. Uh, card only okay 
Okay, because I mean we're talking about the renewable diesel and and the uh, uh, the the state incentives for for renewable diesel production, dude. We can we've got to hustle to produce enough soybean oil to keep up with the demand that is coming through the state rules and regs. To, to meet that demand for the renewable diesel, let alone yeah. for soybean oil to try to participate in the sustainable aviation fuel market, which it will. The it, it, the market, it, the, the bean oil market will participate in, in SAF. I just don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Mm, that's good. That's good. Um, we're we're going to run out of time here if we're not careful. We haven't talked about wheat at all. Do you have okay. any thoughts on the uh, on the wheat market? Yeah, man, the uncertainty over uh, Ukraine, the uncertainty over Russia, it's been the headline and the issue for two years. And I don't see it going away, Davis. I think it's going to be the issue into the first half of the month. The reason that I'm saying that is Ukraine was uninterested in getting back into a U.N. brokered Black Sea grain deals to move grain through the Black Sea because they've been they, they've become so good at moving grain through some of the alternative routes. They're surpassing what were the maximums set under the Black Sea deal. So, boy, Ukraine is doing a great job of moving wheat when they can. I think that continues to put a cap on that market. All right. Um, when we come back on the other side of this break, Chip, I think we should talk about some livestock. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking about demand. I'm thinking about demand here on AgriTalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. On this observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, an excerpt from Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail. Sometimes a law is just on its face and unjust in its application. For instance, I have been arrested on a charge of parading without a permit. 
Now, there is nothing wrong with having an ordinance which requires a permit for a parade, but such an ordinance becomes unjust when it is used to maintain segregation and to deny citizens the First Amendment privilege of peaceful assembly and protest. I hope you are able to see the distinction I am trying to point out. In no sense do I advocate evading or defying the law, as would the rabid segregationist. That would lead to anarchy. One who breaks an unjust law must do so openly, lovingly, and with a willingness to accept the penalty. I submit that an individual who breaks a law that conscience tells him is unjust and who willingly accepts the penalty of imprisonment in order to arouse the conscience of the community over its injustice is in reality expressing the highest respect for law. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk. What more do you need to know? And welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. We're doing a flip jory today for MLK <laughs> Junior Day. Your pal Davis Michelson behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. Talking to Chip Flory. Um... Chip, in that last segment, it was a bit of a whirlwind. The setup yeah. was a lot of chatter. Help me figure out what matters here. We talked about corn, hey. beans. We talked about wheat. Chip, can you boil it all down here? What matters? Yeah. How do I know? Okay. Um, <clears throat> we are we we are going to get to the bottom line of what matters and why it matters when we get to the end of March. I hate to push it off for that long, you know, okay. but this grain market, we mm-hmm. talked about it with a couple of analysts last week. It's, we, we're always waiting on something in this grain market. Mm-hmm. We're waiting on the next USDA report. We're waiting on the next rain in Brazil. We're waiting on the next shoe to drop in Ukraine. We're waiting. On, we're waiting. We're waiting on. We can. I think that will be part of an, a problem. That will keep volume relatively low, open interest relatively low, and interest of the professional trading funds, the spec money, and it, it, it that interest will be low on moving it to the long side of of the grain markets in the in the month ahead. I, I've said this a few times on the show. There is a big difference between incentive to get out of a short position into flat and incentive to get out of a short position to flat to long. I don't know what that incentive might be over the next three months. So price relationships between corn and soybeans are really going to matter as we get to the end of March and start looking at, at, uh, what the actual planting mix is going to be. The expectations have been that we're going to lose 4 million acres of corn from last year, get us down to about 91 million. At least 3 million of that comes over, uh, goes over to soybeans. I don't, when you look at the revenue potential and which one pencils out the best to pay bills, pay interest, uh, pay for inputs, pay for, pay for, pay for it. The, the mm-hmm. needle is still tilted over to corn Davis. Yeah. So, you know, agronomically, because last year was a heavy corn year, we could lose a couple of million acres of corn, but financially, economically, uh, incentive from the market, 
we're not doing a lot to move acres right now. I think that'll be uh, a, a very important number for us when we get to the end of March. Okay, very good. Um, I want to flip us over to the livestock side yeah. now. And if, if you if feel appropriate, separate the feeder cattle from the fat cattle. Yeah, I think it's necessary. Um, and I want to go back to, we've had a number of conversations where cattle have come up. Uh, Greg McBride from Allendale, uh, 2024 production numbers, still friendly, the producer, he says. To me, that translates into tight supplies heading into 2024. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And, and the conversation that we had with Scott Varlick, uh, really put a separation. Well, Greg, Greg did it too. Greg McBride did it too. You know, it mm-hmm. he put the separation between the feeder cattle and the fed cattle yes, uh, markets as well. But but Scott Varlick last week went as far as to say that the feeders will be the leader in the so in the cattle complex in 2024 if there's a rally. Mm-hmm. If there is a rally, uh, we also talked with uh glenn tonzer earlier today and got into some of his outlook 2024 may not be the year that we and i agree with him on this Mm -hmm. i I think his timing is is really good on this 2024 there's going to be a lot of talk about hey you know look at what interest rates are doing interest rates have backed off geez look what that cow calf guy is doing over there yeah. Look at the money that they're making compared to maybe it's time. Maybe that heifer is finally worth more bread and out on pasture than what she is getting fed and fat in the feed yard. And when that when, when that transition happens, which might not come until late 2024, which would which would give us a, a, a another step down in total beef production sometime in 2025. But if if that all plays out that way, we we I think we can be steady higher on 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 fed cattle prices through 2024. But on the feeder cattle side of things, Davis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was such a bloodbath on that dive from from the September high to the, the December low. It, the recovery that we go through at some point, as you've not only got the feed yards bidding for heifers, but now you got the cow calf guys that are also showing up at the sale barn and saying, "Geez, look at that pen of heifers! I can't let those go to the feed yard." Now they're competing against each other. Um. It, the the feeder cattle market should be the leader if we're going to see a rally and if and if we're going to set up for that run to potentially test the highs that we saw back in 2023 if if that if we're going to test those highs that the feeder market has to be the leader in mm-hmm. in 2024 mm-hmm. so it big, big difference between the markets right now and and then Beef is a completely different market on top of that, Davis. Right, right, right. Uh, and one of the things that we're starting to hear, or at least did last week a little bit, is consumers are finally beginning to price shop for proteins, doing a little bit more comparative shopping, and the, the meat case grocers are beginning to respond to that, it seems like, anyway. Right. It's been a long right. time coming. Um, the, the spot that I'm going to 
<clears throat> that I'm going to point at first on this might be a little bit surprising. Okay. But when you go back a year ago, okay, a year ago right now, remember we were complaining that the retail pork price was not reflecting what was happening in the pork cutout or even the lean that. hog market. Yeah. Right? The uh-huh. retailers were holding on to those high pri- higher prices, weren't le- weren't giving any of the the drop in the cash in the actual hog market, weren't giving any of that drop back to the consumer. They're starting to do that. Uh, you've seen evidence of it. I've seen mm-hmm. evidence of it. You look at those whole loin prices now in the meat case and what I think is going to be a, a much better. And you know what? I need to mention, I read this in Pro Farmer, thought about it, and I think it makes a lot of sense. The ham demand market going into Easter 2024 is going to be much better than what it was in 2023. And that will be a great relief for the the pork market in the first half of the year. Should give us, should give us, a, boy, calling a low in the hog market is no easy job. No. Um, especially with the efficiency in the farrowing house. You can reduce farrowings and still have a bigger pig crop because of more pigs per litter. And that's making you, – you don't want to discourage that kind of productivity. and th- But that's making it harder for this hog market to put in what will eventually be a long-term low. Well, and, and clarify with me, when, you, when you're talking about demand ahead of Easter 2024 – outpacing 2023 mm-hmm. um, and being a good market, basically. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about a good market for me, Joe Schmo, going to buy, you know, a 15-pound yeah. ham? Yes. Or are you talking for the hog producer who's like, man, I got to make some money here? For Joe Schmo, for you and me, uh, okay. going in and buying the ham. Okay. Um, I think the, 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 the consumer is going to benefit from what is setting up right now. I mean, look at what the... The pork cutout markets are we the 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 bank of hams is already being filled, mm-hmm. and when they're being filled at these prices, I gotta believe that every retailer out there is going to be advertising doggone cheap ham. Let's move some of that product through the system and then start to take a look at the numbers on the supply side as we get into the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to bottom out. You know, we'll bottom out on, sure. on hog slaughter in the middle of the summer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're down here in uh, KC at my preferred grocer. They're offering. Uh, it's post-Christmas. I mean, it's it's after-holiday stuff, like you say, trying to yeah. get these these hams out of here. we got to make room. You know, we got to get them out of here. Uh, 99 cents a pound. I I thought that was pretty good. That's ni- that that's late 80s pricing, Davis, Well, and I'll on the hams. The they had them mismarked, too. They were Did dirt they? cheap, bro. They were dirt cheap. Yeah. I hope you loaded the cart. I absolutely did. There's so much <laughs> ham in my freezer right now. We've already had a ham. It's great. <laughs> really it's a great good. sandwich. I don't uh, know if you uh, heard that or not, but man. but ham makes a good sandwich. 
You get some of those flaky biscuits, put on an egg, some ham, some cheddar cheese. You're good for all day. <laughs> um, okay, buddy. Um, economy, economy, economy. Yeah. What are you watching for here? Is it a soft landing or are we all just in horrible trouble? Soft landing, but we've got to watch what the consumer does over the next three months. Huh. If they continue to build uh, credit card debt even past the holiday seasons, mm-hmm. Look out, look out. Then they're, then we're spending, you know, we're using the credit card to buy groceries and gas instead of spending cash on those those staples. Yep. And when that happens, we usually run into trouble down the line. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up right there. We will be back with more here on AgriTalk. Davis Michelson on a chip flory. Uh, that's a flip chory. AgriTalk. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. chickens have come home to roost find out whose fence they're perched on today on agritalk welcome back to agritalk everybody your pal davis michelson here uh hey um interest rates of course a a big topic of conversation Uh, yeah chip if if you could just talk to us about your expectations for interest rates moving into 2024 what are you looking at what should we be thinking about interest rates okay all right, yeah, uh, steady lower, but I'm going to include steady in it. I'm not just going to okay. say lower. Yeah, uh, you've heard me say several times that lowering interest rates is something that should be reserved to provide a spark to the economy. It's not a reward. It's not a reward for getting close to your inflate <laughs> your the your the inflation rate that you want. That's not what it's about. Lower interest rates and lowering interest rates need to be reserved for a time when the economy needs a spark. So all this talk about three, four, five interest rate cuts in 2024, I think it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I would be, you know, if the over-under on it is two and a half, I'm taking the under. Two at the most. Uh Uh-huh. 
uh-huh. two at the most. So, but that's only because I think that before we get to the end of the year, the economy is going to be rough enough that it will need some kind of incentives to get it up and running again. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. With that, we need to get over to Carrie Artac. Uh, don't forget if you head to artacadvisory.com that's a-r-t-a-c advisory.com carrie will get you signed up for a two-week trial of his daily service all right carrie what you got for us today yeah thanks chip starting with march corn uh actually both march corn and march soybeans set off long-term sell signals last week when they closed below long-term support levels uh, areas that have been holding especially with corn 460.50, 460.50, we've been testing it for the last couple of months um, with different contracts. Most recent, of course, is the present March contract. And we closed below 460.50 last week by the required 1% margin. This is a former channel top that goes back to 2014. Uh, and it had held actually nicely for the last couple of months, but we've closed below it. And this tells me 439 even now expected over the next three to five weeks and over the next two to three months as we continue through winter and into uh, early spring 412 even to 417 even that's a meaningful support area that can by that point in time perhaps contain selling into summer trade and by that point it's anybody's guess of course with respect to uh, soil conditions and weather so forth and so on so bottom line with march corn a long-term sell signal last week Below 460 half, that is our ceiling of resistance. Expecting 439 even over the next three to five weeks and the 412 to 417 area over the next two to three months where we could actually bottom out into summer activity. Now, upside, if we close the week Friday back above 460 half, that does neutralize that sell signal, but it does not indicate a meaningful gains as we move uh, into later winter. That would come with a settlement above 489 half. And so if we close above 460 half, I do think 489.5 is a realistic two to three week upside target where we could top out by that point in time through February. And if we can close above 489.5, then I see meaningful gains by 32.5, then a two to three month objective uh, once we, if we close above 489.5. But right now, heavy uh, into spring trade below 460.5. The same is true with March soybeans. March soybeans closed last week for the first time below a rising three-year channel bottom at 1254.75. We closed well below it. Uh, This has set off a three- to five-month sell signal down to 1090. And this is a lead contract. So when March is replaced by May, replaced by July, they will all inherit these downside targets. A nearer term, 1181 and a quarter, is in reach uh, by the end of February or sooner. We could bounce there for a month, perhaps. Uh, but closing below 1181 and a quarter, we're just another m- month or two away from reaching that targeted 1090 even area. 1090 is a long-term support threshold. Once again, a three to five month target below 1254 or three quarter. 1090 even able to contain selling into summer activity. Upside, if we close back above 1254 and three quarter, that does neutralize the long-term sell signal. Uh, but in terms of uh, meaningful gains as we move into spring, that would cover the settlement above 1277 even. So I consider 1277 even a two to three week target if we close Friday back above 1254 and three quarter. 
1277 even likely to contain weekly, possibly monthly buying pressures. And if we can close above 1277 even, a descending channel top now that changes a little bit every week, uh, that should set off a meaningful uh, rally to 1387 even within a couple of months of closing above 1277 even. But we're a long way from that. Bottom line with March soybeans and the broader soybean market is we remain heavy through winter below 1254 and three quarter. And finally, an update on feeder cattle. The March contract uh, is holding its own, having come off of long-term support in early December, a three-year channel bottom that is now at 216.35 and rising weekly. Trend support, able to contain selling uh, into spring trade, possibly into later year. Uh, and above which, over the next two to three months, still anticipating 236.92, where we could top out on a seasonal basis. As far as 236.92 is concerned, I considered a one to two week objective if we can close this week above 230.37. 236.92, able to contain winter highs into spring trade. And if we can close above 236.92 over the coming month or two, then we can retest. Long-term resistance at 266.80. That is a 27-year channel top we tested last September and resulted in the big sell-off back into the 210s. In terms of the downside, we're not going to see it this week, but if over the next few weeks, if over the next month or two, we do close below 216.35 at the end of a week, and that is changing weekly, rising weekly, uh, that would set off a long-term sell signal. We should then see 184.15 within two to three months, and 146 even would surprise me as we continue into later year. And that is all I've got for this week's uh, roundup. Chip, thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, Kerry. Good stuff there. Don't forget, head on over to rtacadvisory.com. Get signed up for a two-week free trial of Kerry's daily service. Happy MLK Junior Day. Spent a little bit of time reflecting on uh, the man that he was and the messages that he delivered and, and how they still apply to the way that we're living here in the in, in this great country and, and uh, what it means for us going forward. All right. Uh, come back tomorrow morning. Davis will be here. He's going to have a conversation with Paul Shadeg from Farmers National talking land values right here on Agritalk. <music>